This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mama told me, son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play, you gotta break your stomach, go and scream real hard. Welcome to it inside the yard, our second to last episode of the 2021 season. A couple of Orioles broadcasters talking about the Orioles. And on the program today, Jeff and I will talk with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde and also talk some minor leagues with Masson's own Steve Molesky. But Jeff, uh, pretty good insight, I think, coming up into the world of Brandon Hyde after a third losing season in a row. Obviously, this is not easy. I think we want to look at people in professional sports almost as robots, but it's real. They wear it. Brandon Hyde made it very clear. He takes every loss, not only seriously, but almost personally. And he knew what he signed up for as someone who's going to be uh, the manager of a young rebuilding club, but it's not easy. No, it certainly isn't. And, you know, with, with Brandon Hyde, this is a guy that, has been dealt to, you know, a rebuilding club. Um, a lot of young pitchers trying to find their way and figure it out in the American League East, which is not an easy thing to do. And there's some success stories in there that I think everyone can rally around with Trey Mancini and Cedric Mullins, the incredible season that he's put together, and Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle. And there's just there's there's some good individual stories, but you know, trying to bring it all together is not an easy thing to do. And when you don't have a lot of veterans on your club, it means that it falls on the coaching staff to be able to do that. And that all begins with the manager. And he, Brandon Hyde posts up every day. He's handled every question that's been tossed his way. There have been some excruciating losses in there. There have been a couple of long losing streaks. And it's not always easy to, to handle that with, with class and professionalism and um, you know, understanding of the fact that you know, the media has got to ask certain questions. There are going to be people that are going to boo and scream and yell and not like what's going on. But you know, he's handled it with professionalism and, and dignity, and, and, I, and, I, and I give him a lot of credit for that. And, you know, I think he realizes that this is a long-term process, and Michael Elias has given him votes of confidence, saying that, you know, we expect that when this all culminates, that Brandon Hyde is going to be there for it. And so I think it's great that he's going to be back next year, um, that he's going to continue to get an opportunity to lead this team. And um, as things continue to improve, um, hopefully it's going to give him an opportunity to – to kind of see that this thing coming full circle. And you've seen it in other sports with, you know, the Sixers, for instance, with Brett Brown and how he inherited a team that was doing some serious rebuilding, you know, trust the process and all that other stuff. And then he eventually saw a team that got itself into the NBA playoffs. And so the hope I think is that, that Brandon Hyde is going to be an example of that on the baseball side. And uh, he's been great to work with all year long. And, and, I, and I have a lot of respect for how he's handled himself and what is a, a very, very tough year. We record this on Wednesday, September 29th, the night after the Orioles came back and beat a desperate Boston Red Sox team 4-2. to two. And 
to me, Jeff, I don't know what's going to happen in the remaining five games, wins and losses wise. But if there was ever a game that kind of indicated the team's effort and energy that remains here in 2021, I thought it was the Tuesday night game against Boston. And, and that says a lot, I think, about the manager and the coaching staff. So uh, we were on the field a lot on Tuesday before the game, and there were fundamentals being worked on, ground balls being taken, uh, everything you would imagine that goes into a major league game, pregame, and getting ready to win was happening on Tuesday, and they ended up beating a Boston team that really needs victories right now. And the Orioles' actual 28-man roster is withered away because of injuries. So for them to go out and beat Chris Sale, come back and give him his first loss of the year, I think that says a lot about the manager. Yeah, I think so. And if you are consistently playing hard, and let's, let's face it, you have been dealt a really tough schedule at the very end of this year. And it's serious evaluation time for everybody. And a lot of players know that their jobs may not be secure, that they're going to be competing for spots on this team or possibly another team next year. And for guys that have had seasons like Ryan Mountcastle, he's trying to win a rookie of the year. Um, Cedric Mullins um, is trying to finish out on a high note. Trey Mancini is trying to, to finish out the year and you know hopefully put up a, some decent numbers over these last five games as we take this. But it all starts to me, if, if things aren't going well, it all starts with the manager when it comes to energy and effort and intensity. And even though there have been a lot of losses, the energy has still been there. And, you know, go back to the series in Philadelphia where the Orioles are, are there in every game. Go to the series in New York. The Orioles were there in, you know, in every game that they played when they were, when they were in New York. And, 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 you know, battling it out and grinding it out and having chances to win and playing close games. That all starts with the effort and not losing focus, and that all begins with the manager. And the fact that they've continued to play for him, um, even amid what has you know transpired, rebuild or not, it's not easy to do that. Um, but it starts with Brandon Hyde, and, and you got you got to give him a lot of credit for being able to inspire his players and then to, to keep going and playing and, and giving everything they have for him. I totally agree. Before we get to Brandon Hyde, and we also have Steve Molesky after that talking about the Orioles minor league season. And we put a bow on that, but Jeff has a very important message for us first. Yeah, Brett, that important message is that O's fans, you can get the ultimate fan experience with a Birdland membership. You can take your game day to the next level with access to the best seats at Camden Yards, plus receive unparalleled benefits, including a flexible ticket exchange policy, discounts and concession and merchandise up to 30% off, Birdland rewards and more. With six plan options, you can choose the membership that's right for you. Learn more at Orioles.com slash membership. As the season comes down to an end for the Baltimore Orioles in 2021 here on Inside the Yard. We're joined by Orioles manager Brandon Hyde. And Brandon, we really do appreciate it, not just today, but obviously throughout the season, a long one, as it always is, just your availability and, and your professionalism throughout. So thank you so much for doing this. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. So I guess as the season comes to a close, wins and losses, we all know it's not where you want it to be. But can you separate that there are some major building blocks in place right now that we weren't sure about. You weren't 100% certain who they'd be and how they would do this year. When you look at Mullins and Mancini and even a Tyler Wells and 
and, and, and Mount Castle, obviously. Can you separate those two things, wins and losses, and then there's some really nice, good-looking young players here? Well, you, you, in our situation, you, you have to. It's not easy to, you know, when you're trying to compete night after night. But when you look at big picture, there are some things to, for me to be excited about. For me to, uh, you know, if you look at a, maybe a couple years ago, you wouldn't have had more knowledge on Tyler Wells um, and the impact he's had on our team this year and the kind of pitcher that we think he could be going forward. Um, you know, Cedric, you know, two years ago, we wouldn't, didn't know that Cedric was going to be a 30-30 guy and premier leadoff hitter in the game and one of the best players in the American League. You know, Ryan Mountcastle, we had high hopes for, but he's living up to him. And that's what you, you want to see is, is your prospects continuing to show improvement once they get to the big leagues, and, and Mountie has, putting up a 30-plus home run season and hopefully uh, an American League Rookie of the Year award to go along with it. John Means continue to do well and continue to to show that he's, uh, you know, a legitimate major league starter in the American League East and one of the one of the better ones when he's going well. So yeah, uh, there's there are some bright spots in a, an extremely tough few years, um, and you know you hope that every year we get a few more, a few more that come along the way that maybe hopefully surprise you, but also that you're the guys that you're counting on, the guys that you, you know, the organization believes are potential impact guys that they, that they show that. And, um, so, but it is hard to, it is hard to look at big picture when you're kind of going through what we've been going, going through. You mentioned all those guys, and then you look at the guys who are the minor league award winners and how they're right on the doorstep of the major leagues, kind of knowing where some of the individual successes were this year and knowing the guys that are right there, does that get you even more excited for spring training next year? It, it, it does. It does. And, but it also, for me, there's always caution too, because you don't want to get, you know, you, you prospects are prospects and you want as many as you, as you can get, because not all of them um, live up to what, what you want them to be or what you think they could possibly be just because the major league game is so hard. Um, and fortunately we have a lot of them. And so that's, and a few of them are getting really, really close. And that, that is very exciting to, to the really talented guys um, to see them compete in major league spring training next year to watch their growth is going to be exciting. Along those lines, Brandon, and with your expertise in player development and going through this rebuild here, I think there's a lesson with Cedric Mullins, but I want to see if you agree that we are in this industry as an industry so quick to label someone that we, we want to be very decisive. That person, that player is that. And there used to be a period in baseball and in pro sports where you would get several seasons to figure it out. It's hard to do that now. Is there a takeaway there that we, we shouldn't label guys too quickly and pigeonhole them? Yes. I mean, I think, I think that's all that's professional sports right now is, is, early to decide on if, if a guy's good or not, or if a guy's a starter or not, or if a guy can play in this league or not. Sometimes it takes guys, even if they're extremely talented, sometimes it takes guys uh, two, three years to show what they can do to get comfortable. You know, you look at it in football, these quarterbacks right now that are rookies, they're already getting labeled third week, third week in. And that's so unfair. You know, it's so unfair to jump from college to the NFL and all of a sudden in your third week, you're a buster or you're going to be, 
you know, a, an all pro quarterback. And it's the same in our sport. Um, you know, we, and we play in the toughest division there is. And, and it's not, not easy. Sometimes it, some guys it's going to happen for right away. And some guys it's going to, it's going to take a little while. And, you know, that's where you hope you have depth and you hopefully have guys that are surrounded around your young players that can make it a little bit easier on, on them and also guide them through um, tough times because in a six month season playing every single night, there are going to be tough games. There's going to be tough weeks. You're going to have a bad month. And sometimes younger players don't deal with that as well as guys that have been through it. So, um, you know, as we go forward, I, you know, I'm hoping we surround these young players with, with veterans that, that they can lean on um, as well as our fans can be a little bit patient with, with young players that they don't produce right away. When it comes to pitching and producing while going up against the American League East, and when you have all these, you know, especially like these young lefties, and as we're in September, they're all getting auditions against playoff caliber teams. What's the, the, the level of rope you have to have? How, how much more is it against the AL East? And how much more do you have to be able to, to have um, when, when you're evaluating it up against the division that you're facing? Yeah, that's what's the, that's the hard part. It's really sometimes unfair a little bit in that you throwing these guys to the wolves and, and, you know, playoff contenders that are, you know, big money market payroll hitters are there for a reason. And to break in like that is, is challenging. And what, I don't care who you are. It's, it's extremely challenging. And, um, you know, you saw when we play against, you know, no disrespect to these teams, but teams that have, that aren't in the race that have similar type of rebuild or they went, they, maybe they moved to the players at the deadline, the Rangers, the Royals. Um, you know, we, we pitched pretty well. We, we played competitive games and that's just because the ro- where we are roster wise, it's, it's extremely hard. So, you know, you're, you're really going to know where you are when you play in this division, um, how you stack up and, but it's also not easy to break in as a young pitcher or young hitter in, in this division. I probably shouldn't lump these two together, but Dylan Tate and Tanner Scott, two guys of similar age for really, you know, a third big league season showed great flashes and showed inconsistencies. You can get pretty competitive pretty quickly with a really good bullpen. And those two guys, it's so tantalizing. When you look at those two, how do they get to the next step? Well, that's, that's, that's challenging. And for me, that's what makes them big leaguer. And, and it's, you know, it's like, it's time, it's time to go. Um, it's time to get consistent. Um, that they have such good arms that and in our situation, we're going to be patient with their development and continue to, to put them in games. You know, obviously Tanner's out for this year, but you know, hopefully next year, um, cause we want them to figure it out and get a little bit better command and understand how to navigate through, um, you know, major league lineups and it's not easy. And sometimes with bullpen guys too, it takes a little, some, I've seen it take a little bit longer on occasion, just because you don't have the routine. You don't have the regular um, workload. Um, you know, I came up, you know, I remember in 2011, Brad hand, they put Brad hand in our rotation and he wasn't ready. 
and he got his brains beat in. We were playing Atlanta and Philly in those years. Those were teams like we're playing. Um, and it wasn't fair to Brad. And, you know, a handful of years later, the guy's an all-star. The guy's one of the premier relievers in the game. And uh, so I just think it just takes time with, with some guys. We're hoping that it clicks for Dylan and clicks for Tanner because they obviously have the ability and they have the, the arm uh, to, you know, to be top back-end guys. Now it's up to them to really find that consistency. We started to see that with Austin Hayes, if you go back to the very end of August. Do you think with, with Hayes and you know, the September he's had, the way that he closed out August, do you think this is maybe the turning point for him in his career where maybe he has taken the next step and, and hopefully been able to establish himself as a, as a guy who could be a central figure on this team going forward? Yeah, you know, I hope so. You know, I, I also thought that in the middle part of the summer, he, had, he was incredibly unlucky up until August. He, there was a lot of deep fly out, kind of line drives in the right center. A lot of balls that were caught. He got a couple caught up against the wall. I remember here at home and you're, you know, just you wanted to click for him. And he just continued that, continued to grind, continued that approach. And you've seen improvement. You've seen a guy really, really take off here, here in August. You know, hopefully he can carry that over in the next year and the rest of his career. I think that pitchers will make adjustments back to him also. And whenever somebody's having success, you know, they're, everybody's got a video system and everybody's got analytics. So then people understand where guys handle certain pitches better than others. Um, and, and Austin at some point is going to have to make some adjustments as well, but it's great to see a young player get every day at bats. That's extremely athletic and, and a ton of tools and, and produce now for, for a good period of time. I uh, just wanted to see, the, see him finish the season strong and, and uh, take that forward. Brandon, how long does it take you to mentally and even physically recover from the, the grind that really starts mid-February? On a daily basis? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's hard. It, it consumes you. And it, um, you know, after a game is, I'm not the best at letting it go. And that's one of my weaknesses is to, um, you know, leave it in my office 30 minutes after the game. I do, I do tend to, uh, you know, think about things throughout the night and into the next day. And, and I need to get better at turning the page a little bit. I think I do a pretty good job the next afternoon, but sometimes it, you know, it's, it's hard to lose and it's hard to feel like maybe you could have impacted the game a little bit differently. So I'm always trying to learn. I'm always um, asking questions. I want to know, I always want feedback um, because I, it is important that I, I feel like I try to put our guys in a position to have success. And, you know, a lot of times this year in the last few years that that hasn't happened for a variety of reasons, but it's, uh, yeah, it can get exhausting, and, and, um, but it's something that I love and hope to do for a long time. When you get to the offseason, how often are you in touch with your players and other guys in the coaching staff? How, how often does that take place? I think when, you know, when the season gets over, I think you, it, it's important to let everybody unwind for a while. And um, 
I, we are in fantasy football, so there seems to be uh, <laughs> fantasy football conversations and a little smack talk goes goes on uh, in our, in our clubhouse. But you know, I try to let them have their space. Players have their space, and once you know, we start getting into the winter, um, maybe you know December-ish or something, then you start kind of checking in. I usually send, try to send something, you know, a, a note, you know, for Thanksgiving, etc. But I want guys to, you know, these, we've been going since the beginning of February and then now we're getting into October and, and uh, I think it's important the players can unwind as well. I think that with from a coaching staff, yeah, same thing. We, 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 we um, get away for a little bit, but then the, co- the conversation starts earlier. Um, I'll talk to cuz a lot. Well, any, any sort of spring training ideas, if I have it, I'll just, you know, I'll shoot it to him. He shoots stuff back at me, him and Freddie both. Um, but yeah, once the winter starts, then it's pretty much go time. And you're sort of thinking about spring training pretty early. So what time is the alarm set for come like, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week in the Hyde household? <laughs> well, I have children. And so you, um, you miss so much while you're gone that, you know, I try to do as much as I possibly can to uh, make up for lost time. And so I, it'll be early. I'm going to, I'll take them to school Tuesday and Wednesday. I'll take them to school. Um, just because I, I, you want to make up for, uh, you know, all the time that you missed. Besides being the number one dad, um, do you have any hobbies that you want to take up during the offseason? Anything that you want to try that's not baseball related? Well, I, I do golf. And so that's that's something that it, that's a nice getaway for me. Uh, um, and now that I've moved to southern Florida uh, and out of Chicago, my, my golf game can get back to where it should be. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, you know what I want to do this winter? I've thought a lot, I, I want to read more. I need to, um, you know, I tend to during the season, not read enough. Uh, you know, I watch so much baseball, you know, when our games are over, I'm watch, watching West coast games. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I'm going to bed and, and I want to, I need to dive into, I have a big stack of books that, that I want to dive into. How much postseason will you watch? I watch everything. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, no, I'm I'm in it. I'm involved, uh, but I, I when the our season's over, I I follow um, closely. And you know, I have friends around the league, and you want to want to see what, how they're doing. And and I'm a fan as well. What do you want to get your golf score down to? <laughs> I want to get back to uh, around a five. Ooh. Yeah, I'm. I'm but I think I, and I, and I will, I, I can promise you that spring training next year, I will be, I'll be down. Well, Brandon, hopefully we see you before spring training next year, but again, thank you so much for this and uh, all season long. We'll catch up soon. Anytime, anytime guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Orioles manager, Brandon Hyde on inside the yard.
With us right now is MassySports.com, Steve Molesky, who's done a spectacular job all season long covering the Orioles and the Orioles minor league system. And there's just so much to discuss, especially in a week where the hardware was handed out and the award winners were at Camden Yards. And I'll tell you what, Steve, in listening to the award winners, hearing from them, and we've talked to them throughout the season, but in person at Camden Yards, this group kind of looks and acts the part, if that makes any sense, that they are sharp kids who are excited about the future of Orioles baseball. They speak as if they're all best friends. And it's a pretty exciting time uh, to be young in the system. Pretty exciting time. And, you know, I thought they handled themselves so beautifully at Camden Yards this week, uh, you know, with the ceremony, with the interviews, with you guys on radio, on, on Masson. Uh, we, you see uh, articulate, well-spoken, driven people who are good friends. I mean, I've found this everywhere I go on the farm this year, that the Orioles have managed to do a great job of turning their minor league system into one big family, pulling on the same rope, encouraging each other. It sounds cliched, and it sounds like you're blowing smoke when you say that, but I've been to enough places and interviewed enough people to know it's real. When you sit across from kids, as long as I have, that are 20, 22, 24, you can tell sincerity. And it comes pouring through out of these kids and they're great representatives of the farm. And, you know, that was a great night for the Orioles minor leagues and player development. Steve, we were talking about this with Buck Britton on the radio side about how unusual it is that your best players are also your best guys. For someone that has covered the minor leagues for as long as you have, you cover the major leagues for a long time as well, but covering the Orioles minor leagues for as long as you have, how often have you seen that where the best prospects have also been some of the best guys in the organization? You know, Jeff, it's probably more than you think. I mean, when I think back to many years covering the minors, and I won't throw any names here or throw anybody under the bus, I can count on one or two hands, guys who I met, interviewed a couple times and thought, God, that kid is so cocky or that kid's ego, man, he better watch it. That might, that might hold him back. And quite often it does, but you can see with Adley and Grayson and Stowers. And I saw it with Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson and kids I've interviewed up and down the system. I'll include Colton Kowser in this and the draft picks at Delmarva. I see a great blend of competence, but not cockiness or ego. These kids don't walk around like I'm the man. You know, Grayson is just never impressed with all his awards. He accepts them. When I asked him about being the best pitching prospect in baseball, he said, I'll be honest, it's an honor, but it won't get me an out tonight. You know, it won't do anything for me. The other team just wants to beat me more. So, I mean, he's really got it in a proper place. And they've earned these awards and all these accolades they're getting. But I think it's going to serve them well down the line to be confident that they're good and they belong but also with the proper respect they have for the opponents. And so you need that. You know, I think we're in an interesting time in professional sports where there's just so much hype given to young athletes. And it's not new. It, it is new, but it's, it's pretty extreme. I think back to Matt Weider's cover of Sports Illustrated and the burden on Matt at a time when the Orioles were really losing, Steve. But you think about Adley Rutschman. I was talking about this with him on Tuesday. 
And the burden of being the number one pick, best college player, uh, a superstar in the College World Series, record-setting signing bonus at the time, and then pretty much since day one, the organization, the face of the Orioles franchise, not just of the minor leagues. And the, how in stride he takes that is peculiar. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so unusual to be that calm about it. And he said, listen, my parents said that if I go over five with five strikeouts, they'll love me regardless. And that's really, I think, his perspective of life. Wonderful perspective. Um, and Adley made a comment to us yesterday in the dugout before the game, something I'm paraphrasing here, talking about the mindset that most of the players in the organization take to look at failure as learning. When they know that seven out of 10 at bats, they didn't get a hit, but they're still successful. Okay, what can we learn from those seven? And, you know, uh, Stowers, similar mindset. He said, you know, he didn't go into the season with any expectations, uh, just playing for the moment. And it is, it is amazing, Brett, when you think about a player like Adley and all his accolades and coverage and the microscope he's under, he just acts like that's another guy, you know, right. like he's the utility infielder or something. It's quite remarkable. And so maybe that started at Oregon State. Because at these top college programs where they win a lot, those kids are marked men. The Friday night starters, the key guys in the lineup. I saw it at Florida State, and I've seen it in other big college football or college baseball teams. Man, there's pressure, big pressure on those kids. So I think that helps them, you know, deal with what they deal with now. Steve, in terms of how close they are to being – playing for the Orioles next year. I think that's the question a lot of us are asking. And, you know, based on what we, we heard from Mike Elias, it certainly sounds like they're both going to be a spring training. Kyle Stowers would, would be at Major League Spring Training as well. When do you think is a, a realistic timeline on when we see these guys? Could they – is there maybe the possibility that they could even break with the Orioles at the start of next year? Well, Mike Elias said there is uh, when he was recently on the telecast. And I think, Jeff, you might have interviewed him on that. Um, and he said they're open to it. And that struck me. You know, he didn't uh, he's not backing away from that. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it means it could happen. And to me, it also means first half of 2022 is ETA for all three of those guys. I really think it is. I mean, Stowers and Adley are bankrolling AAA games now. So they're not new AAA guys next year. Grayson, I think almost any scout would tell you, could pitch in the major leagues now. And so he's if the Orioles want to check the box of AAA and get him a month or two's worth of starts next year, they can do it. But his day is coming fast. They just can't hold this kid back anymore. Uh, he's the best prospect, and he's deserving of that title. And so the thing I like about all three of those guys, having interviewed him a couple times this year, if they struggle in the majors, and they will, everybody does, it's not going to phase them. It's just what we just talked about a couple of minutes ago, how they're so chill. They're so calm. They have it all in perspective that they know they're going to go two for 20. Grayson knows somebody's going to get seven runs against them in his first few starts, maybe, or in his eighth or ninth or whatever. It's going to happen. And I don't think it'll ruin them. And I think when they get there, they're not going back. Yeah, that's certainly the hope. And we'll end on this. There's a big variable, obviously, with the new CBA. Will any rules of service time change? But you may not hear this from the club, but the reality is once this group starts trickling to the big leagues, 
there is an urgency to everything because you just can't waste time once an Adley gets to Baltimore or Grayson Rodriguez gets to Baltimore and you have Mountcastle in his second full season. You have Mullins in the prime of his career. You just can't, those moments are precious at that point. So you can't just say, all right, let's dilly dally here. It, I mean, you got to be careful with every player and every prospect, but it's on at that point. It's on. And, and Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg are going to be not far behind this trio we're talking about. I mean, they're just coming fast. And Jordan Westberg looks like the total package. I've seen him play great defense. I've seen him wear out center and right center field. He's got good plate discipline. He's a leader. I mean, he just checks every box. Gunner's similar, but he's three years younger. So he hasn't experienced everything Jordan Westberg has. He's got still some learning and growing. But the kid's coming fast. He played well for Bowie at the end of the year at 20. So this is exciting. And you're right, Brett, uh, Brett when they put all those guys on the field, first of all, the one-loss record could start to look a lot better. It should. Uh, and and start, we'll finally start seeing that upward trend that fans so covet. And then it's like, what do you put around these guys? How do you plan the next year, two or three to try to take this group in early momentum and then ride that wave? Steve Molesky from MassInSports.com. Steve, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. You got it. Land, the bird is back and ready to make a special appearance at your next event. Add some Orioles magic to your birthday celebration, wedding or corporate party by booking the bird today. Proceeds benefit the Orioles Charitable Foundation. Book your bird appearance today at Orioles.com slash bird. Well, the least surprising news came out on Wednesday morning, Jeff, when Cedric Mullins was named the most valuable Oriole. I can only imagine uh, the voting tabulation, but uh, well-deserved for Cedric, and congratulations to him. Another honor that he can uh, really enjoy and is so deserving in one of the most incredible stories. I don't care if it's an Orioles story or a Major League Baseball story. To go from Cedric Mullins in 18, 19, 20, and where we are in 21 is just remarkable. Ben McDonald brought up this point when, uh, when we were doing Masson over the weekend which is this is somebody that got called up last year because Austin Hayes ended up getting hurt. Yeah. And that was what opened the door to Cedric Mullins. Finished out last year really strong, hitting out of the leadoff spot. And then this year ditches the switch hitting, goes left on left. And you and I saw his first game that, that he played and gets the triple off of Jordan Montgomery right out of the gate. And you saw that he could do that. And he just never slowed down. I mean, I think the low point for him was Memorial Day where he was hitting 290 and – I think it is so hard to be consistent when you're on a rebuilding team and when you've lost the number of games that the Orioles have, which in a rebuild is going to happen. It's especially going to happen when you're doing a rebuild in the American League East. But for the consistent performance to come every day, for the energy to still be there every day from Cedric Mullins, I tweeted this out. When you showed up to a game this year, and I felt this way, with Cedric Mullins, it was exciting because you never knew what you were going to see out of him. And that is always a cool thing about baseball. When you can show up to the park and one guy will stand out and be like, man, I wonder what we're going to see out of so-and-so today. Well, for us, it's what are we going to see out of Cedric today? And that was what made calling games this year so much fun because he would come up with some doozies, be it an incredible catch. I still think he has the 
two catches of the year with the robbery of Gary Sanchez, the one that you called really well, Nelson Cruz earlier on in the season, um, the 30 homers and 30 stolen bases. He has a chance to be um, one of very few center fielders in the modern era to get to 30 homers, 30 stolen bases, batting over 300. And there's just not many who've been able to do that. I mean, we had this list on Masson recently. It's, it's, it's impressive to see because you just look at all the great center fielders out there who never got to that point. And it's, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Cedric to, to reach that mark and to, to finish over, over 300 in what has been a spectacular year. Yeah, amazing year. And honestly, if the Orioles were a 500 team, he'd be an MVP candidate right now. That's a good of a year he's having. He's just a rare breed to have a leadoff hitter who plays that kind of center field. There just aren't many guys like him right now in Major League Baseball. And to have him under club control in his prime years is very exciting. And he seems to be trending up. And I'd love to see him finish strong, get to 300 batting average, get to a 900 OPS, which has only happened three times in Orioles history since 2010. Luke Scott in 2010, Chris Davis in 13 and 15. That's a rare 900 OPS is. And he's doing it in a lineup that's, you know, still a work in progress, obviously. And he's done a lot of damage leading off and in the first inning. But Jeff, he almost never comes up with runners on base. The bottom of the order for the Orioles has struggled so much this year. So imagine if the lineup gets a little deeper. I just think he's a really exciting player and he's someone to root for. Such a nice young guy. And, and I just think he's an extraordinary story. So one of many really good stories in what overall has been another tough wins and losses year. But it's not just about 21 for Cedric. It's about what you're going to see in 22 and three and four. So congratulations to Mullins on a great honor and a lot to play for here in the final games of the 21 season. Our next episode of Inside the Yard will feature Orioles Executive Vice President and General Manager Mike Elias. And uh, please join us for that as we put a bow on our Inside the Yard for 2021. But Jeff, uh, we'll finish strong here this season and then uh, we'll wrap up the the, the program next week as the Orioles season comes to a close. So for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Thanks for joining us inside the yard.